tonight as we wrap up our series on Overcome. We have uh, talked about how in Jesus Christ we have overcome our fears, worries, troubles, uh, how we've overcome our prejudices. And tonight we're going to explore Paul's concept of sanctification in Romans 6 through 8. We're going to talk about how we're ultimately victorious in Jesus Christ. You know, we may have a lot of hurts and habits and hang-ups, but in Jesus Christ, we are overcomers. We don't have to stay in the prisons that Satan has set for us. We're free men and women bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what we celebrate in Jesus, that we are free. So there I am, screaming and flying through the air. And it's almost like I'm in slow motion and everything is just going through my mind. I can see the, the little bullet holes that my friend and I had just put in our neighbor's car window using as our BB gun target practice. And I don't know if it was the sound of a voice or just the realization of what we were doing that shot me out of the fort like a circus performer out of a cannon on the big night. But there I am, and I'm jumping out. And I hit the ground, and my friend comes running down, and we look at each other like, don't tell anyone. And so we go running inside and act like everything's normal. In fact, the next day, I was on a trip to my grandparents. And I thought, whew, I made it through this one. Got away clean. So I get out to my grandparents and, you know, I'm trying to act like everything's fine, everything's normal. And then all of a sudden I see my parents' come, car come rolling up two days early and I start thinking, what is a good lie that I can make up or a cover story for what we've just done? But I'll tell you the truth, nothing could keep me from telling the truth that day. I think back at that time at my grandparents and just the pain I felt of shame and guilt in hiding sin. In fact, I try to portray and put on this persona of, I'm this great kid and I've got it all together and, and, and don't worry about it. I, everything's good. And what I needed most was to confess that sin and just get it out. And it's interesting in life. So often we feel like we are all alone in our sins and mistakes. That we don't serve a God that is big enough to love us right where we are and continue to mold us and to shape us into the image that he is and into the person that he is calling us to be and to be on the mission that he's calling us to go on. Why is it at times as a church that we walk through life or we come here on Sundays and we're dying on the inside from our mistakes and our struggles. But instead of reaching out for the source of life through our community of brothers and sisters, we decide just to walk alone. Instead of reaching out for that source of hope and truth in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what we need to hear tonight. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that's John 3.16. We see it held up at football games. We see it in so many sporting events. You've even seen it on iBlack on, on times from athletes. But it's that truth. It's that gospel truth. That's the good news. That we have a God that knew we needed forgiveness from the very beginning. That our sins, we couldn't make our sins go away by themselves. Only God can do that. Only God can heal. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. In fact, no one is. There's only one that has walked this earth that lived a perfect life, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who became the perfect sacrifice. It's God's perfect love that created a world that he knew would sin and fall short and cost him the price of his only son for us to be claimed back as his children again. So how did sin and death get into this world that God created as so good? In fact, when you read through the creation story and you see after, after day one, it was good. Day two, it was good. In fact, when he gets to creating human beings in his own image, he says it is very good. So what went wrong? God wanted us to know and experience his love. And the only way that we can know and experience that love is to have a choice. To choose God as God and creator of our life, as the Lord, or to choose ourselves or things that were created by the creator. In fact, Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, we see the world started downward at that point when Satan came in and tempted Eve and she chose she chose her will over God's will. I mean, can you imagine being in the garden, walking with the Lord each day? How beautiful it was. Before there was death, before there was disease or decay, it was paradise. It was a perfect world that you were walking with the creator. But the allure to be God was too much to just be the child of God. Think about the areas of weakness in your life and in my life. Why do we choose to give in to those desires versus submitting to his lordship in our life? I found this quote from John Piper. And I thought it fits so well when you're trying to think and describe sin. He says, what is sin? It is the glory of God not honored, the holiness of God not reverenced, the greatness of God not admired, the power of God not praised, the truth of God not sought, the wisdom of God not esteemed, the beauty of God not treasured, the goodness of God not savored the faithfulness of God not trusted, the commandments of God not obeyed, the justice of God not respected, the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not cherished, the presence of God not prized, the person of God not loved. This is sin. So let's start tonight looking at the reasons we struggle with sin. Why do we wrestle with what we are not created to be? First, if you look at the world we live in, 
It is sinful, it is depraved, and it's full of corruption. Paul says this in Romans 8, 19 through 22. He says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So sin from the beginning has caused all creation to fall from its perfect state. You know, I think many times we see the imperfections in us as people. and We think that our sins and that sin from the beginning only affected us as people, as human beings. But Paul says that creation, that all creation is in frustration and in waiting. They're in that waiting pattern to be delivered from bondage and decay. So it's not just us as humans. It is the entire creation. So one day we as God's children and all of creation will be liberated and transformed. As I've talked many times, I struggle to watch the news. I mean, every time I turn it on, I'm just reminded about how evil this world is that we live in. And I look and I see the vile things that people do to one another. And it makes me sick to my stomach. And I just think, man, this must break God's heart. In fact, I forgot we didn't have children's classes tonight, and my, my boys are sitting here. I've got this illustration, so I had to go and get permission from them. And they said it was okay, so I can tell you guys this story. But I remember as a parent, and, and the, the one time that I really remember feeling this sorrow of one of my children hurting another child. Uh, and how they couldn't get along. And, and Bryce and Jaden were all day just kind of at each other, taking cheap shots, just kind of being mean to each other, whether it was kind of hitting each other or it was just like what they said. But it was just like all day long. And finally, I was like, go outside, go burn some energy, go jump on the trampoline. And I'm thinking, okay, this will do it. They're going to get over it. And it wasn't five, 10 minutes later, I hear crying and I'm going out there and it's I mean, it's just you can hear the anger and the yelling. And I said, okay, that's it. So I, I decided to teach them one of my least favorite exercises in PE class in elementary school, the wall sit. There's a, there's a particular art of the wall sit. It is where your legs are 180 degrees and you're out and your, wall's against, your, your back's against the wall. And so I decided, okay, this is what we're going to teach them, which is a great exercise if you're really working on that core, but it takes a little pain to get there. So we get them lined up, and I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to hold hands, and you're going to encourage each other the whole time. I said, if you break hands or you don't encourage each other, I'm going to start the time over. I know you're probably sitting there thinking, man, what a horrible parent, you know, and, and Gina was warning me that, you know, be sure I don't do anything to get CPS called on us. But I will tell you, after hearing my children fight all day long and be mean to each other, in that one minute to hear them encourage each other through the pain and through the tears, saying, you can do it, you're doing great, it was just beautiful. And broke through some of the some of the pain that I had felt all day 
that, that I, I would imagine God just feels when he looks at this generation of his children hurting each other. What he desires for us to hold hands and encourage each other as we walk through this life trying to bring him glory. But as Paul says, we wait and we hope for that liberation when God says enough and calls us home. I think another reason we wrestle is because we ourselves are sinful. In fact, I talked about my boys, but I will tell you, I struggle. I struggle in my own life putting everything that I am and everything that I have pursuing God. I have my hurts, I have my hang-ups, I have my addictions that I fight through. There are times that I will confess now that I speak to my wife and my children in ways that I should not. There are ways that I have treated people that I am embarrassed. I strive to live each day remembering who I am called to be And I remember some of my past mistakes to help fuel me to love as God loves. In fact, Paul says here in Romans 7, 15 through 20, he says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Wow. The inner battle going on here. Paul's talking about that struggle with our fleshly desires and who the Spirit is that lives in us is calling us to be. I think many times in my life and in your life, I think we know right from wrong. I think we want to do what is right. (laughs) But I don't think we always rely on the Spirit that lives in us. That we don't always call on the name of God. We try to overcome sin without God's help many times. Without relying on the Spirit to, to give us the strength to overcome our sins, and our addictions. In fact, many times you could say sin is an addiction. In fact, this year I I decided I'm going to give up, well, I've I've already done it, I guess, for almost 11 months now, a year without donuts and french fries. And you may be sitting there going, why? In fact, many times when I give up something, my mom goes, what are you giving up this year? But I'll tell you, each year... I like either for an entire year or for part of a year as kind of a fast. I like to give up something, like a food that I enjoy. And when I say enjoy, a food that I love, a food that I overindulge in. Um, And so it was easy for when the teens snuck, you know, when the teens, we dismiss them from class. There was leftover donuts. I would sneak another two or three donuts in my mouth on my way to church. There are problems in me, I promise you. Sometimes my God is my stomach. So I try to fast to remind myself that God is God. You know, you may be sitting there thinking, yeah, but that's not as bad as like maybe killing someone or, or you, you fill in the blank, right? 
Because many times that's what we do, isn't it? We justify the sin that is in our life so that we don't feel as bad about ourselves. But never forget that God says, if something becomes an idol, if there is evil in you, this is what he called Israel to do in the Old Testament. He says, don't just put it aside. He says, purge it. Paul will tell you, flee from immorality. Purge the sin, the sinful living from your life, from your community. Not justify it. God has to be the Lord of my life. Finally, I think we struggle with sin because we have an enemy. In 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, Peter says this. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Not someone to trip, not someone to to hit, to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. So many times I, I see the person committing the sin, or I see myself when I commit a sin, and I start down this road of resentment and hate. But I think if we can see through the eyes of Jesus, we're going to see that our battle is not a battle of earthly desires. It is a battle of spiritual nature. And we need to start arming ourselves with weapons that we can fight that are not of this world. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, he says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle... You will still be standing firm. So our battle is one that is not of earth. Imagine if you could see through God's eyes and you arm yourself with the Spirit and what He will equip you for this battle. Imagine fighting sin that way. So this understanding now that we have an enemy, that we have sin, and that we live in a sinful world, what do we do with this view of sin? How should we view it? First, sin leads to death. And as Christians, we ourselves are dead to sin because we have been made new in Christ. In fact, Romans 6, 1 through 4 reads this way. And Gordon touched a little bit on this this morning. He says, well, then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined with him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ in baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. When I was a Bible major at ACU, I had other fellow Bible majors, and and they would talk about their sins and their struggles, and they would say, they would justify it this way. They would say, well, Really, I need to do this so that I can experience and know how to minister to people someday when they're struggling with this. Or they would say, well, I don't really have much of a faith story, so if I go down this road and you know, when God 
you know, changes my life, changes my heart, well, then I'm going to have this great story to share to the church. Paul would say, no, you don't. We will all die physically one day. As stated in John 3, 16, but because of the cross and the empty tomb, we don't have to worry about death. However, we know that our sins bring spiritual death. We're called to be free and to live a new life in Christ. Our sins are buried with Christ so that we can live out a new life that shows freedom. So when you're baptized, that symbolism of being buried, your sins are buried. And when you're raised, you're raised new in Jesus, that you have freedom in Jesus. There's no need to continue in a life of sin to show how great God's grace is, Paul's saying. We can look at our past mistakes. We can look and understand how great our God is and that his grace even reaches me and just be dumbfounded by the power of the cross that makes us white as snow. Next, we need to view our wrestling with sin as a time of letting the Spirit grow in our lives. Paul says this in Romans 8, 9 through 14. But you are not controlled by the sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Man, amen to that. So once you said yes to Jesus as Lord, and you've put him on in baptism, what do you receive? You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, something we tell our students constantly here. They're not alone. When they walk into those schools, when you walk into those workplaces, you don't go alone. God lives in you. And we must allow this spirit to grow. The spirit, it's God. So he's going to give us the choice for us to use him and listen to him and let him grow in our lives or just to sit there on the sideline. Spending time listening to the Spirit is something I'm trying to grow in. In fact, many times in my prayer life, I do a lot of talking. In fact, my wife would say most of my conversations, I do a lot of talking and not much listening. But one of the ways I'm trying to grow is to listen to the Spirit because I believe God is speaking. Are we listening? Am I allowing God to have his way in my life to be transformed so that I can really experience the freedom that I have if I live out a life that he is calling me to? The good news tonight, the gospel message hangs on this truth, that we have victory over sin and over death. You don't need to fear your sins. God's grace covers them, all of them. You don't need to fear death. Jesus raised from the dead, and we will too. 
We will be called home. Make no mistake. This world is not our home. Sin came into the world and separated us from God. Jesus came back to put us in right standing with him again. Tonight, be reminded of these words from Paul in Romans 8, 28 through 30, that you and I and all those who claim Jesus or will one day claim Jesus as Lord have been called. God has called each of us to be his sons and daughters. Here's what he says. He says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are what called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So make no mistake, God has called you to be an heir with Jesus Christ. You are not an accident. You don't have to worry about being good enough or doing enough good things. Your creator knew you from the beginning, your warts and all. And he said, I love you. You are my child. And maybe you need to hear that tonight. You are his son. You are his daughter. He's saying, live in my grace. Live in my love. Live in my freedom. So when you sin and make mistakes, be reminded that you are still his child. That he's not done with you. That he has called you. I like this quote from Nelson Mandela. He says, I'm not a saint. Unless you think of a saint as a sinner who keeps on trying. Man, isn't that true? The next truth about our overcoming sin and death is that we have a God and Father that will never leave us or forsake us. Never going to leave. Romans 8, 31 through 36, Paul says this, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. So can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, persecuted, if we're hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. So be reminded tonight that you serve a God that did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. So let go of your sin. Let go of your shame. Let go of the guilt. It's the power of his love that he died for you and he died for me. Be motivated by love and not by guilt. Yes, we need to be remorseful. We need to repent. But in order to move past them, we must see our sins as God sees them. They are no more. They are dead and they are buried. Finally, we've overcome sin because in Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors. Tonight, let the Holy Spirit just wash that truth over you, that you are victorious in the blood of Jesus. That tomb is empty. 
His love for you and me is bigger than all of our sins. The price has already been paid. In fact, Paul concludes the matter this way in Romans 8, 37 through 39. When he asks, can anything separate you from God's love? He says, no. In all these things, we are what more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, neither the present or the future, the powers, neither height or depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. I hope you believe that. We must trust that the promises that he has for us and the future that he has for us is better than any sin or addiction that we're caught up in right now. Preston Crest, you are an overcomer. <laughs> One of my favorite things of, of playing football on Friday nights was the pep rallies. In fact, I was one of the, my senior year, I got to be captain, and so many times they would hand me the mic, and I got to go and, and pump up the crowd. So I thought, tonight, we need to get a little excited. I need to pump you guys up with a little 1 Corinthians 15. So here's how it goes. It says, listen, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Press and crest, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to who? To be to our God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Tonight, claim that victory in the name of Jesus. Don't walk out of here seeing yourself in the sins that you're in, being identified by the prison that Satan may have you in tonight. Break free from that by seeing yourself the way Jesus sees you. See yourself clothed in Christ and see yourself victorious. As we sing this concluding song, grab someone right around you. Confess your sins to one another or just pray over one another. Or if you need to cry out to God, cry out to God. Either way, don't leave here letting Satan keep you in that prison. You have overcome you are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Let's stand and sing. <laughs>